Welcome to Greenhouse Grower to Grower, the podcast where we talk to growers from across the greenhouse industry about market trends, innovation, their biggest challenges and opportunities, and more. I'm Brian Sparks, Senior Editor of Greenhouse Grower. During Greenhouse Grower's Evening of Excellence event at Cultivate 23, I had the honor and privilege of presenting our Head Grower of the Year Award to Drew Koshman of Walters Gardens in Zeeland, Michigan. You can learn more about Drew in the October issue of Greenhouse Grower, which should be hitting mailboxes around the beginning of the month. Drew and I talked a couple of weeks after the conclusion of Cultivate. Please enjoy our conversation, and hopefully you'll get a sense of why Drew was an easy choice for our Head Grower of the Year Award. Well, let's get into it then. Um, you know, let's start by talking about you know your current role at Walters Gardens and maybe a little bit about the operation. Um, you know, how how big you guys are, who your who your customer base is, and um, what are your what are your uh, some of your main roles and responsibilities there? Yes, yeah, so the company was started in 1946 by Dennis and Harriet Walters, and it started out as a bare root operation with small acre farm that was only five acres of production and uh doing like flock production doing some day lilies and then it grew to be more pretty pretty quickly and uh currently the field piece for the company is 1500 acres but we're not using all that space currently we do like a lot of cover crops and yeah. uh, a lot of crop rotation and currently we're planting about 500 acres in our fields uh, throughout the Hamilton area here in West Michigan, uh, we, we've got daylilies, we've got hostas and hibiscus and baptisia. And, you know, besides having that field operation, the company started tissue culture lab too in 1976, just as a source to bring clean material into, into the greenhouse. And then just to really help ramp up numbers for new varieties that we're, we're growing. Okay. And so we've got a, a tissue culture lab that's also uh, part of Walters Gardens. It moved from this site to downtown Holland this past year. So we made a, a location change. And uh, But currently it's supplying some of the grass production that we do. It does um, some hibiscus production for us. And a lot of the new varieties that we're introducing, there's small quantities coming from the lab to just, like I said, just really to help ramp up numbers. Uh, we the green the greenhouse piece. Uh, we are currently at about 17 acres of greenhouse production. The main site here is 13 acres, and then this past October we did an expansion that was four acres, uh, with the potential to grow more there in the future. Okay. And at the main site here, there's quite a few different departments that I work closely with. Our R&D director has the R&D department, excuse me, Hans Hansen. So he's got a part of the greenhouse that he's doing his breeding work at. Okay. Uh, he's also managing our hellebore stock and that seed production for hellebore stock. And then besides working with Hans, the trials department is another big department here that takes up some of the greenhouse space and they're doing grow outs, these new, tri- new varieties. They're growing plants for trade shows. Uh, they are doing some production trials for us as well in terms of, you know, grow lights. If we're interested in looking at grow lights, a lot of times we'll work, we'll partner with our trials department. If we're looking at new media blends or just a new way to grow a plant, whether it be uh, a bare root trial they're doing or 
or doing something from a different lab or uh, so they're doing a lot of internal production trials for us as well okay and so the greenhouse piece like i mentioned it's 13 acres at this site and four acres at at cedar break uh, it was it was a farm that we weren't using because just felt like the soil wasn't good for for crop production and so we're using that space for greenhouse space and uh, it's mainly been used for field plug production but then we're also doing some long-term crops there like hellebores and epimediums and and uh some of our grass productions go in that direction uh you mentioned i'm sorry go ahead i was just going to say that in in 2010 we partnered with proven winter perennials or proven winners sorry uh and it's really helped with marketing our, our new varieties with also getting a lot of our plant material to to customers and we work with independent garden centers we sell to wholesale growers we do a lot with landscapers and municipalities and we're shipping throughout the u.s and actually into canada as well okay you brought up expansion there a couple minutes ago and i wonder you know that's one thing we've heard a lot from growers over the past couple of years is you know following the, the strong years of 20 and 2021 you know you get into 2022 and there's was some uncertainty both on the supply chain side of things and you know what are con- are you gonna are we are we as an industry gonna be able to maintain the consumers we just gained? You know what we were hearing at the time was you know growers were kind of ready to expand, but they you know there was hesitation because of those two factors. Um, we're hearing now as we get into as we're through twenty twenty three and going into twenty twenty four, you know plans for expansion from a lot of growers from across the industry. Are you guys kind of in that same mindset, or does that kind of reflect what you guys are doing right now? Yeah, so during those those COVID years, the company had roughly about a forty percent growth, and twenty twenty one was about twenty uh, percent, and twenty one twenty two was about twenty percent, uh, and then this past year was a little more level, but uh, you know, so it felt like we did the expansion at the, the right time, and uh, and uh, so it's really set us up well for the future and uh, uh, they built that site to all they would have to do is you know add posts and and trusses and plastic and so the site's really set up well for adding to it and I want to say it's that location we could in, in the end add another 16 acres there and there's enough space to add additional 16 acres over quite a few years uh, but then that production space too was well planned in terms of you now there's eight loading docks at this site. There's a nice big office for uh, future team members going there, and okay. they built a nice production barn with an LE line and then a, a sorting line for us and a plug popping line. And uh, so our greenhouse systems manager led this project and you know helped us make some good decisions on, you know, how to build this site and just set us up well for the future. And so I think, uh, really positioning ourselves well for future expansion. So let's, let's go back to you a little bit more here and kind of talk about how you joined Walter's gardens. Even if you go back a little bit beyond that, your own interest in the green in greenhouse production, how did that develop? Um, what was the educational process for you? And maybe if you want to talk about any key influences along the way for you. Yeah, of course. 
gosh, almost 20 years ago, I graduated from Purdue in horticultural production and marketing. And so it was, it was a nice uh, program where there was classwork on business classes, uh, entomology, plant propagation, pathology. So, uh, so it's a great you know program they did at Purdue and enjoyed that experience. You know, shortly after and yeah, before graduation, I did an internship program at Midwest Ground Covers. That facilities or that company had two locations at the time. You know, one based the main site's based out of St. Charles, Illinois. Uh, the location I was working at was um, in Fenville or Glen, Michigan, and that's where they're producing all the majority of their perennials. Uh, they were so it was a great experience to you know start there for just thinking at where I landed in my career because you know we were doing a lot of finished production of finished perennials, finished gallons of, of grasses and, and three gallon grasses and, and hostas. And so when I was there, I, I learned, you know, what to expect a, a good plug should look like or what bare roots should look like coming in. And I was there for gosh, 10 years and I started out as an intern before going back to school to finish up at Purdue, they offered me a position as a perennial grower. And so I was in that role for a couple of years. And then eventually I, I landed to be nursery manager there as my uh, manager moved up to be production manager for the company. Uh, that individual had a lot of influence on me growing, growing up and being so young in my career. I think, uh, you know, Larry was, was great at recognizing people. And, you know, some things I really remember is, you know, for company or a a birthday would would approach and he would send a company-wide email to everybody in the company and with happy birthday with balloons and (laughs) exclamation point and just simple things like that uh uh, larry was not uh did not have a work background but he had a uh, management background and uh so he was great at bringing laughter into a room as well and joking with people and uh you know like i said recognizing people taking people out for lunch for their birthdays um really healthy at so young in my career with punctuality too and making sure i was to work on time and uh, really set that up for myself going forward uh, another strong individual that i met when i was at midwest ground covers was was chris darbo and uh very eccentric person that just helped me build that passion for perennials uh, she would actually go to Perennial Plant Association on her own as a vacation. Okay. And then since I was a perennial grower at Midwest, they would send me to PPA as well. Mm. And when I was there, I'd be able to tour gardens with her. And she got to, she introduced me to a lot of key figures in the perennial world, such as nice. John Friel or Dan Hines. And so I got to meet a lot of people in the perennial world that probably don't remember me but uh i do remember chris you know just helping me build that passion for perennials yeah um after that experience at midwest ground covers i want i was doing a lot of scheduling and people management and having a degree in horticulture i wanted a little more experience with growing and a lead grower position opened up at andy mast which was five five miles from my house and okay so i decided to take that and eventually, I became head grower at Andy Mast. Um, 
so that it was a change from doing perennials to, you know, growing garden mums, doing hanging baskets and doing a lot of, uh, Easter lilies as well. Yeah. So their main customer was Kroger's. Uh, they had three locations and one in Holland, one in Grand Rapids, another one in Muskegon. And towards the end, I moved up to be head grower. So I was head grower there and, uh, did four years of annual production and, and knew my passion was in perennials, but you know, experience at Andy Mass was great. I learned a lot from, from Chris Tweedy or, or Dan Mast or Dave Mast and just a lot about the chemicals they use, you know, like PGR use and, yeah. and, uh, just timing on plants and how important that was. And, and then the job opening came up at Walter's Gardens that I, that I jumped on, uh, okay. the head grower. And that happened eight years ago that I applied for the position. And, uh, so coming up on my eight year anniversary here nice. and, and so I've been head grower here for eight years and, okay. uh, yeah, I've had some good managers here as well. And, you know, some that really give me ideas about with perennials and how that differs from annuals, it feels like um, we're being asked to produce perennials most of the year. And so producing sedum throughout the summer and into the winter, uh, we're being asked to uh, do like veronicas and lavenders throughout the year, which which can be challenging because yeah, everybody knows that invernalization is necessary for a lot of perennials and how to, you know, do that and produce good quality plugs. And so, you know, working with my past manager, he really helped me with, with scheduling on perennials and, uh, just the importance of team meetings. He was great at developing team meetings and uh, did a lot of one-on-ones. And so he really was a great influence on me growing up as, as well. And, uh, he has since moved on, but, uh, you know, Jeff working with Jeff was has been a, a great experience for myself. Okay. So in your current role today, then what what's what's the best part of your job today? And then you know, kind of a conversely to that, you mentioned a challenge there a second ago. So what are some of the biggest challenges that you might find yourself facing on a day to day basis? So the the best parts of my job right now, I I love the diversity and and the changes that happen throughout throughout the year. And, uh, our R and D directors really active. I mean, he's looking for a lot of new varieties and him and his exact team are discussing, you know, new varieties and uh, new genus as well. Like just recently we added Saracenias, which, uh, you know, are pitcher plants and he's starting to show how they can be used in the landscape by, uh, building, you know, areas to, to grow in the landscape here with with kiddie pools or plastic liners and creating almost like a little, little bog with, with, with peat moss. And, huh. and, uh, so we've been just recently been working with Saracenias, um, F mediums are still fairly new to us since, since I've been here, this is a growing program and just yeah. how to, how to produce those well, um, Spigelia as well. And it seems like we get involved with, you know, a lot of different, varieties that are out there and um, so just you know collaborating with individuals and how to do them well 
Uh, it's something that I really, really enjoy and trying to schedule them. Uh, it's since we're growing throughout the year and just, just trying to find the best times to grow them, to, to produce nice quality plants. Okay. Um, and I, th- I think, I think probably every grower answers the, this question about challenges for their position with, with space planning. And that it's the same for us, but it's, it's a little different in, in terms of I've always felt like we've, we've got enough space here. It's, but we've got a lot of different environments here too. So we've got, you know, growing areas that in January, February, excuse me, January, February, March that we've got grow lights in. And then we've got growing ranges that we're holding at 28 degrees or 32 degrees or 50 degrees. And so it's a 13 acre greenhouse, but it's broken up into so many different growing environments and trying to plan the space on where, you know, varieties should go to make sure they hold that quality before they go to customers. And we're doing a lot of vernalized plants. We're doing a lot of fresh grown plugs as well. And so space planning can be pretty challenging and especially around February, March, where we're really starting to ramp up with hibiscus production and hosta production and, you know, having that necessary space we need with, with lights or having that yeah. space we need for, for cold storage. And, um, and that can be really, really challenging for us. Um, okay. so. you know, are you were telling me about some of the technology innovations that, um, have kind of been implemented at Walters gardens over the past, you know, couple of years, um, you know, environmental control system upgrade, uh, the addition of a, of a, of a sorter. Can you kind of talk about, you know, the, um, how you worked in, in making some of those innovations and then just kind of the, the results that you've seen from that? Yeah, of course. Um, so when I started eight years ago, um, the company had Priva Maximizer and in a range that's probably maybe about four acres for the greenhouse. Uh, the other nine acres were all tied on to, to a Wadsworth system that uh, was outdated. And so, gosh, maybe like six, seven years ago, we decided to upgrade the Wadsworth system and install Priva Compass. And a lot of the stuffy houses that we have here, uh, we've got a, a range that we call glass house that holds our stock and flood floor. So we made that upgrade from Wadsworth to Prepa Compass. And then as we wrapped up this past expansion, we decided to go to the next level up for Prevo, which is connects. So, <laughs> uh, we, we've got a lot of property tied into Prevo. Our greenhouse, our greenhouse systems manager, when he was working on the build build at Cedar break, um, we talked about it as a group and decided to go with connects at, uh, our Cedar break location. And, uh, so most of the property is tied into Priva, uh, five, six years ago, our propagation area is our most recent build at our current remain, our main site. Okay. And the environmental control system that we installed there was Damatex and like it cause it's really got a a main page that's really interactive for the grower. It'll actually show you vent positions on, on the, on the greenhouses. Uh, it'll show you the temperatures in the greenhouse. And if the fans are running, it'll show you an image of a fan running. Yeah. And, uh, 
and we wanted a system too that was really connected with the growers so uh five six years ago we were talking about this and decided to on damatex which if a boom gets stuck uh we will actually get alarms uh sent through us by a text saying that a boom has been immobilized and if that's the case then weekends you know weekends come or after hours uh you know having freshly planted cuttings or freshly planted tissue culture it's just so important to keep them turgid and hydrated and and so we've got a group that will come in you know pretty quickly to just check on the tc or check on the cuttings and we've really really upgraded the environmental control systems here past you know five six plus years and uh and you know purging is really important for us in the winter time but botrytis and just trying to manage botrytis and cold houses and having a system like Priva where you can, you know, set that ideal precise humidity. And then if it hits that, then you can set the duration for purges and the frequency for purges. And it's really, really helped with minimizing botrytis in our ranges. Okay. So yeah, the environmental control has been huge. Um, about a year and a half ago, we, we bought a TTA flex order mm-hmm. and our greenhouse systems manager led that discussion and uh, the purchase of that machine and being a, being a grower, you know, my involvement is, is, uh, oh, excuse me, uh, the growing team, we've got team members that are going through the greenhouse and then deciding how we should sort a certain product. Okay. And for example, if it's a nice looking tray, it's got nice tops, except may a few small tops. Uh, but the, the great roots throughout, that's what we call a select sort and where we just take the small tops out, replace the large tops. There's your number one. Okay. Um, if it's a sort and clean, you know what, take every plug out, look at the roots, look at the tops, clean off some of that brown foliage. And we spend a lot, we miss a lot of time in, in sorting, but it really pays off. I think customers see that. And so you know, finding a machine that can help with sorts. Uh, Aaron led that dis- discussion, found this flex sorter. And so the growing team's really setting up the sorts and making the call on, you know, how things should be done. And, and then the processing leader decides whether it should go through the flex sorter if it's done by hand. Okay. Uh, Cause we're doing, we're currently doing a lot of sorts by hand too. All right. With the machine, we can do four to 5,000 plugs per hour and by hand it's probably closer to six to 800. So it's allowed us to, to move, you know, five to six employees to a, to a different area to let's complete tasks in that area. And okay. uh, so it's, it's been really helpful for us to, you know, keep production high and be a little more efficient. Okay. So w- when you look at it from a higher level, um, you know, how do you, and then by extension, how does Walters Gardens kind of approach the whole idea of, of how and when to automate your facilities and then, you know, the, the process of working with, you know, not just the management and ownership team at Walters, but then, you know, the, the growers who are going to be in the greenhouse using these machines every day. How do you approach that process to determine the kind of when, when things make the most sense to take that next step? Our fiscal year just ended end of June. 
And so it started July 1st. And so every year we develop a CapEx list. And so anybody in the company, you know, I ask the growing team at, at huddles or ask them at uh, team meetings, is there anything you want to add to CapEx? Is there something you feel like could make improvements here? Um, so throughout the year, we're developing this CapEx list. And then as a management team, we're reviewing that uh, before that July 1st, before the end of June, July 1st, and making decisions on, you know, of these items that were listed, which ones we want to pursue. So the greenhouse managers are asked, you know, give it a priority. Is this priority one, two, or three? Um, once we develop those priorities, um, and uh, then a budget's set as well from the exec team. And once the budget's set, goes through the priorities and basically how we decide, you know, what to move forward with. And it's also reviewed at a strategy team meeting where it's a bi-monthly meeting between the COO, the greenhouse systems manager, greenhouse manager, maintenance supervisor, and myself. And so we'll review this list quite frequently. And um, so we're just trying to pull ideas from team members. We're considering obviously the cost and ROIs and, you know, this coming year that some things we're, we're focused on is, you know, finding ways to improve efficiency with trim. So we actually just bought an agronomics trimmer. Uh, okay. We've got a couple belt mowers too that we're going to build up another belt mower to help with speeding up uh, trims and making a little nice, nice clean trim on product. Uh, we're going to install Priva in another department. And then we've got a grow cream dispenser that will do 72s. We're going to get set up to do 128s for us. So, okay. um, and those were all ideas that came from uh, strategy meeting or greenhouse management meetings. And we decided we're all priority ones and ones we want to yeah. focus on. So. Okay. Okay. So you, you, you've got that process, you know, working, you know, with, you know, ownership. You were also telling me a lot about how you kind of work with your, your team then. And, you know, in, in terms of training, helping, helping develop, you know, growers from within the company and making certain people responsible for different training elements. Can you kind of talk about that process and the, the, the value that that brings, you know, to how, both to how Walters is run, but then also, you know, I know, you know, you hear a lot today about employee retention. How does that maybe help that process? Yeah. So I think besides just doing trainings on the greenhouse here, right? I feel like I, as a company myself and others try hard just to uh, build that passion for horticulture. And, and I, you know, I love being at Walters and but I, I love this industry too. And so I think as a company, we're pretty good at trying to encourage people to visit other sites uh, throughout the year or to attend conferences like uh, Floriculture Research Alliance or to be involved with webinars or to uh, uh, go to Cultivate as well in, in Columbus. Sure. And so I think we, we try hard to build that passion for horticulture. Um, we develop up growers. We've got try hard to do one-on-ones throughout the week, just give some attention to the growers on a one-on-one -on -one basis. And sometimes it's you know, only 10, 15 minutes long, but so I make sure that I'm answering any questions they have and you know, having that one-on-one -on -one with them. 
we do huddles throughout the week where uh, we'll bring up how sales are going for the company or you know, credit reports or you know items that people are working on or or areas that people may be stuck on so trying to uh, keep up with team meetings on a, on a weekly basis and you know we've we've had a little bit of turnover in the company but you know, we also have a lot of seasoned growers here that you know have been here for you know 20 plus years in their role and so as we hire these new growers a lot of times we're spending a lot of time with cross training with other section growers or sure and uh people have been really developed in certain areas excuse me our one lead grower that used to be our propagation lead grower uh she ended up moving to our new site and you know now we've got a vacancy in our propagation area well as soon as we hire this next individual um the one that move to the new site we'll be spending time training uh the next lead grower that we hire for our propagation area so uh there's it seems like you know there's been a little bit of movement but uh we we do have a lot of people that are experienced in many different areas here uh we spend a lot of time with doing a process called greenhouse processing requests we're just looking through it, uh, making sure before it goes into the room for sorting, making sure all the information is needed is, is there for the team members for do the, doing the sorts. And so a lead grower is actually responsible for making that call. And then it goes in the sorting room the following week and just really minimizes questions. And yeah, so uh, as we hire new, new employees, there's a lot of cross training there where they're learning from former, from lead growers on, on how to do those GPR reviews or propagation area and like i mentioned earlier too like conferences as well i think people get a lot of information from going to conferences and yeah how to build rotations and spray rotations and um, well you know speaking of that you know we're as you as you and i are talking now um we're only you know what a couple weeks removed from cultivate um i don't know you know if you're like most who attend you get you know yet you go through and you sort through all the information you've gleaned after the show um but is there something that jumps out at you that you was a was a great takeaway from this year's cultivate um that you can maybe look to apply to how you know walter's gardens operates i really enjoyed doing some of the management classes um okay. for, from neil neil glatt i think i think it's neil glatt a lot of social events and i mean when you're there you're talking with people and uh we talked about having people come here to give trainings and which is great uh yeah absolutely with uh slow release control these fertilizer it's something we haven't used in our plug production but i'm interested in, in looking at that uh in past cultivate shows i know we've taken away the coochie fog system from cultivate and implemented at our current site uh we've we've built a good relationship with phillips and and top light compacts and working with those light fixtures uh since attending cultivate i know We've had team members go there and, and talk with Phillips and and found, you know what, let's pursue these lights at our at our greenhouse here or let's okay. pursue this fog system. So we do come back with a lot from Cultivate and and do implement quite a bit and the Coochie fog system and the Phillips, the top light compacts and uh are two two that really come to my mind uh, okay. from the past couple of years. All right. 
So it, as, as you look towards the future, um, what do you find yourself most excited about, both in terms of, you know, Walter's Gardens and the future of the company, but also for the industry as a whole? Um, I mean, what, what are you looking forward to as, as you get into the next couple of years? You know, with, with Walters, I I feel it's um, companies always been at the forefront or pretty close to being at the forefront uh, in terms of pursuing automation pieces and our breeding work as well. I, I talked about working with, you know, Saracenias or yeah or Spigelia, and there's not many operations out there that are that are growing those. So I think uh, the R and D work is. Um, it's great and uh it's exciting to see um some new new items coming up yeah. and see where that leads as well uh for the future for us um obviously we're just wrapping up this new site too i, I think be fun interesting to see how it the balance goes between our current location and the new site and how we look to fill up both spots this coming winter and and space planning and and uh but uh, yeah, I think uh, those are some exciting things to me going forward is just seeing where our breeding work goes. Okay. And then auto, with automation, I feel it's a company where you are usually pretty quick to buying pieces, but a lot of times we would like not to be the first, but the second or third, we're good with that. And, and um, so I think uh, we're pretty active with looking at automation pieces or, and then, uh, so always being on the company that's usually at the forefront is, is pretty exciting to me. Okay. Um, you guys are trying a lot of new crops in a lot of different areas. So, you know, tying into you, what, what consumers want, what do you think it's going to take for this industry to, you know, and it seems, that seems to be the question every time we gain, you know, a new consumer segment, how do we keep that segment coming back to the garden center to, 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 to keep buying plants? What, what do you think the, uh, that we can do as an industry to, to kind of maintain that progress that we've made? Good question. I, I think it's, I think we're pretty active with, uh, trying to build interest in, in horticulture in, in Michigan. I, I we do Michigan garden plant tour, uh, tours throughout the, the year. Um, so we've got display beds and, and so I think, uh, finding ways to, uh, get individuals, people, customer, potential customers to the sites to see yeah. ways you can use some of these new, new, uh, varieties coming out and how can you use Saracenias and display beds. And, and, uh, so I think, you know, we're right now we're going through a period called Michigan garden plant tours, and it's a two week event that allows people to tour gardens in, in West Michigan. So, or throughout Michigan. Uh, so like four stars involved, Henry Mast, um, I'm sorry, not Henry Mast, Neil Mast and Spring Meadow and, and ourselves and Michigan States. And so it just allows people to tour gardens and get ideas for uh, personal gardens. Yeah. Um, as far as like, you know, work with universities too, I, um, I think, uh, it's been hard to, to fill certain roles in the, the company, but I think looking outside of box sometimes, not always looking for students that are studying horticulture. Um, uh, we, we found some really, really good employees through 
for smaller colleges in the area that are have biology degrees that uh, come to work for us and fall in love with horticulture and stay here for years. And, nice. and so I think, you know, looking at other universities that typically aren't your land grants, uh, hort schools that um, could be good. We good way to attract individuals into horticulture. Um, yeah. Okay. So last couple of questions for you. So when you're not in the greenhouse, what do you like to do for fun? And then do you have, among all the, the, the plants that you guys are growing, do you have a favorite right now? Something that, you know, that you're saying that we've got to have, you know, have this at my own home? Sure. So I, I live in Michigan for a reason. I, I love the Great Lakes and I love going to Lake Michigan or my family's got a cottage pretty close to Lake Huron. And so it's common that I'll on the weekends, I'll ride a bike to Lake Michigan with my wife and kids and just spend a good afternoon just hanging out by the beach and swimming. And and so love going out to, to the Great Lakes. Um, I do a lot of cross-country skiing in the wintertime. So one of those few people that actually love winter sports and love love snow on the ground. And and so I, the summer right now, I'm actually, I do, I do a lot of roller skiing. And so I'm training for the Berkey Viner in Wisconsin. It's a 50 kilometer crutches and ski race that oh my. goes from Cable to Hayward. So it's actually the 50th um, annual Berkey Biner this coming year. So okay. it's a race I'm training for. And so I'll, I'll roller ski in the summertime to prepare myself for that. And <laughs> so I get a lot of weird looks in the summertime. And, you know, who's this guy on roller skis? And, <laughs> uh, but I, I, I love, just skiing it's it's a good good workout and nice. uh you know it's peaceful you know out in the woods and seeing snow in the trees and it's just a really relaxing sport to me and good for good way for me to stay active and got two boys that are really involved in in sports and my oldest son is um on a soccer team that the team actually won michigan cup this past year which it's pretty awesome to be part of and yeah and then watch the team go on to to regionals and do well there but not advance but it was it's just great to be part of that and see his soccer team do so well and uh he's actually entering high school this coming year and will be playing tennis in high school and personality differences between between the two my my youngest is really in love with you know being outside and you know collecting rocks or doing puzzles or, and, uh, there's a little bit of personality difference between the two boys and yeah. my oldest loving, loving sports and I spend a lot of time with family and, and just being outside. Okay. And you, you develop like love and hate relationships when you're doing like greenhouse production. <laughs> and like, I've always enjoyed, uh, work with plants that are difficult to grow and just finding ways to, to make them do well. And, um, Maybe some of the uh, the ferns that are out there. I I, I do like I do like grasses. I guess I I, I do. Uh, my past employer did a lot of ornamental grasses, and so I do enjoy grass production and like a kind of cloa. I guess that's love seeing that in the landscape and that cascading look. And um, so I, I guess made grass production and you know working with just finding ways to do them well and just 
kind of Kloa in the landscape is it's always uh, an attractive, attractive bride to me. You know, it's funny, you, 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 your point about that love-hate relationship. So back, you know, before I was working on Greenhouse Grower Magazine, you know, I was still at our company, but I was working on one of our other publications, American Fruit Grower. And, you know, like the Honeycrisp apples become like one of the most popular varieties in the country now. Um, you know, consumers love it. You talk to a grower, and I'm not as in tune with that market as I used to be, but the growers used to say, consumers love it. We have so much of a hard time growing it for so many different reasons. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it seems to happen a lot. yeah yeah so it's fun to try to figure out how to do it well and i think unfortunately with doing perennials it's you you'll learn it but then you gotta wait a full another year before you can implement it and unfortunately you can't you know what let's just change this for next time we do it like two months or three months from now you gotta wait full another year before you do it again oh yeah so just finding ways to keep good records and and uh developing ways to do pretty nice crops Thanks for joining us. You can learn more at greenhousegrower.com. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen.